Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Welcome to your Tuesday, February 2nd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. A good opportunity in this episode to kind of like exhale, take a moment, and look at the first 10 games of the season through a bit of a microscope and kind of look at what led the Flyers to a 7-2-1 record, uh, what needs to be better, and also a little look ahead to what's on the horizon for this team. Uh, through the first 10 games, uh, it's just a little less than a fifth of the schedule, obviously, a 56-game season. I'm not a math major, but I can figure that out. Uh, a record of 7-2-1 and one is a great start for the Flyers from a, from a standing standpoint. Uh, they're tied with two other teams through 10 games at the top of the standings with 15 points. That would be the Washington Capitals and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So from that standpoint, and look, hockey, sports, pro sports is a results-oriented business. And the results have been good to the tune of a 7-2-1 record. Now, how did they get here? Uh, what's been good about the first 10 games and what needs to improve? Uh, well, let's talk about that. And we're going to get to Twitter questions as well. So I kind of put together a list of some of the things that pop in my head when I think of the good so far this season and then the not so good or the bad. And some things that, you know, the best news of this whole situation, which I'll get to after I go through the good news and the not so good news. Um, so first, the good news. Let's start with the good stuff, right? That, you know, we're in a positive frame of mind here uh, with everything going on in our world. We might as well start with the positive. Um, first of all, the positive is James Van Riemsdyk. The start that he is off to is sensational. And it's not just that he's putting up offensive numbers. He's also been good in his own zone. Um, I brought it up on yesterday's episode. He made a play in the defensive zone, uh, which muted an Islander chance and eventually led to the rush the other way where he assisted on a goal to Joel Farabee. Uh, that, that's the good. He beat out an icing call uh, to keep possession in the offensive zone. He is playing hard. He's engaged. He's playing physical. Now, he's not going to go out there and blow people up like Dustin Bufflin or uh, Eric Lindros, but he is uh, really playing some of his best hockey in years. And I mean total hockey, not just uh, the scoring element of it. And, and when you kind of look at some of his numbers, um, it's easy to figure out why he's having so much success. He's putting himself in the right places. We've seen so many of his goals so far this year scored right in front of the net. That's where James Van Riemsdyk is extremely effective. He is great down low. He's got good hands in tight, and he's great at deflecting pucks. He's done that. Uh, the other thing, and maybe an area of his game that's always been a bit underrated, has been James Van Riemsdyk's uh, passing ability, his vision, his ability as a playmaker. We saw that on display uh, on, a, on a couple of occasions this year. He made a great pass off the wall in the first game uh, to Kevin Hayes for a goal, wired it through a seam, through a pinhole, uh, to get that goal for the Flyers, and he's been really good in that regard. And when you look at the additional offense that he's supplying, it's a big reason why the Flyers are 7-2-1. It's a big reason why they're not generating a ton of shots in games. Matter of fact, they're 30th in the NHL in that category. Uh, that they're still able to score goals. The Flyers this year have been able to score goals because their shots have been quality shots. Uh, they've been get, taking uh, shots from high danger areas, high percentage shots, redirects like James Van Riemsdyk scores, are one of the most difficult saves for a goaltender. Layered screens, he scored on that as well, and the Flyers have scored on layered screens. Uh, passes that cross the slot line, we've seen that. The Giroud of check to James Van Riemsdyk in front, that tic-tac-toe play that's taken place a couple times this year. And, and when you look at the way Van Riemsdyk has scored, 
He scored basically in those three different ways, and they're all the highest percentage chance of scoring goals in the NHL. So good on him for putting himself in that position. I think he scored two goals in those tic-tac-toe plays, which is Drew from the left side across the ice in the seam pass to Voracek and then back to the middle where James Van Riemsdyk is standing in front of the crease and redirects it into the net. He scored three goals, I believe, uh, off redirects. And when you're doing those things, you're going to have a lot of success, and he is doing them right now. I mean, the pace that he's on, I'm not saying he's going to, if it was a per 82 pace uh, with his numbers right now, uh, he'd be on pace for 45 goals and 71 assists and 116 points. Needless to say, that'd be the best season of his career. But he's off to the best start of his career this season, and he is certainly one of the goods. Through 10 games, 5 goals, 8 assists, 13 points, and a plus 2. Uh, JVR heads the list of the good. Uh, the second thing on my list is uh, Jake Voracek. He's a guy that a lot of people like to get on uh, for turnovers in the offensive zone and not being the best defender. Um, look, that's not his game as a defender. Never will be. Uh, he does turn the puck over sometimes, but that's also a result of a creative playmaker. Playmakers uh, that are offensive-driven like Jake Voracek, they will turn the puck over on occasion, and that's part of the, that's part of the deal. But his production so far this year has been very good. Another guy that's putting up numbers despite the fact that the Flyers are not putting up a tremendous amount uh, of shots in a game. Through 10 games, he's a point-per-game player, two goals and eight assists. And these and the assists that he's had have been pretty spectacular, and he's been clutch for this team as well, scoring an important goal in that game against the, the Isles, the first one, to open the scoring, and then also some really key assists along the way as well. So Jake Voracek has been very good for this team as well. He's at the top of the list of the good. The goaltending combination is another one that goes on the list of good. Not every performance has been perfect from Carter Hart. He had a couple where he got touched up. He got pulled in that first game against the Sabres. And then obviously the game against the Boston Bruins where they lost 6-1 to and he teed off on the goalpost with his goalie stick. Uh, but overall, he's been very good keeping his team in games early and then uh, allowing the team to find their legs and get into the game and, and make things happen. Um, and, and obviously Brian Elliott has been sensational. He has had a great start to the season. So the goaltending as a whole has been good and timely. And one of the things that I like to point out to people is, um, look, just because you get outshot doesn't mean that the other team has a better chance of winning. Not all shots are created equal. And I will tell you, and I've talked to many NHL goalies, including Carter Hart and Brian Elliott about this. Matter of fact, we touched on this uh, when we did goaltenders week and talked to some of the guys. A goalie in hockey would rather see 33 to 37 shots than see 20. You say, well, why is that? you got way more chances to get scored on. Well, there's a caveat. As long as there's not 38 shots and a, a ton of them are high-danger chances, a lot of times what the Flyers have done and what they've done well in this season so far is keep the scoring chances, the high-danger chances, to a minimum. Matter of fact, they, they, they're below the league average in allowing uh, high-danger chances on the season. They've allowed 23 high-danger chances against them. They've generated 31 high-danger chances. The, the league average is 25, so they've done a good job on both sides of that. Now, you see them get outshot in a game. A lot of that is from the outside. The other night in that first period in the game on Saturday night against the Islanders, uh, they got outshot 13-4, to I think, in the first period. The Islanders had one high-danger chance. Flyers came out of that period scoreless. One high-danger chance. That's a good job. You'll take 12 other shots 
uh, that aren't high danger. That's playing pitch and catch with a goaltender. Uh, but if you're getting the high danger chances, that's when the where the alarm comes. Flyers have done a good job generating those high danger chances on limited shots and preventing those high danger chances against. That's a big part of it too, and that's a, that's a reason why the goaltending has been really good as a whole. They've made timely saves as well. Um, another one in the good column, uh, Shane Gossespair. He missed obviously a lot of the season uh, the first couple weeks uh, with COVID. And was out, was unable to practice, was able to work out. Uh, came back, had one practice, jumped into a game. Uh, all things considered, he has looked good. Has he been perfect in his D zone? No. He made a couple of plays in the game, the second game against the Islanders, cutting in front of his net that I didn't love. Uh, but overall, he looks good. He looks confident, too. And shake your head if you agree with this. You can tell when Shane Gostaspare is confident in the way he carries himself on the ice. You can see the shiftiness. When he has the shiftiness and the shake in his skating and his game, that's confidence. And I see that in his game right now. That's a good thing. Uh, another area that's a good, Joel Farabee. Um, he's had some games where he was not very present, but he's obviously had two huge games. The first game of the year, a four-point night, and then uh, the second Islander game, he had the hat trick. Uh, but even when he hasn't ended up on the score sheet, he's been pretty good. He's been solid, he is skating hard, and he just looks stronger. That's a good thing. Um, another good, Nolan Patrick. Um, he's still trying to find his game in total. He didn't play hockey for almost two years. He's shown flashes of the skill that he has, but it's going to take a little time, like it is for Oscar Lindblom, who missed a ton of time as well. Uh, but here's the real, real reason why it's good for Nolan Patrick. He took a huge hit in that Islander game, the second one, um, from behind, went in head first into the boards, and he went back out and took his next shift. That's a great sign. And when he does get his game fully in order, I think we're going to see a different Nolan Patrick than we've ever seen in the past. Uh, you got a couple other guys, too, um, that are really producing. Claude Giroux's producing. Obviously, Kevin Hayes as well. Those guys are getting it done uh, and producing as well. But uh, the real the real MVP through 10 games has been James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, also, from a team standpoint, the scoring shooting percentage – uh, the Flyers are at like 13% in shooting percentage, 5-on-5. Five five. It's a huge number, but that's also because they're generating high-quality, high-danger chances, which we just talked about. And then the uh, penalty kill improvement has been another one. Penalty kill started off real shaky. It's improved big time. Um, real quick on the high-danger chances. The Flyers have 28 goals from high-danger areas, which is the crease in the slot so far this season. No other team has more than 22. That stat comes courtesy of uh, Alexander Appleyard on Twitter. That that's that's pretty 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 telling, if you ask me. Uh, the Flyers are are doing a good job limiting those as well, uh, those high danger chances, and they need to keep doing that and going forward. And if they're able to do that and generate more zone time and get out of their zone quicker, then uh, they'll be on the right path here to to not suffer from the process, but just kind of keep excelling because the process is getting better. Um, the not-so-good category, uh, the offensive zone time, it's it's obvious. They don't spend enough time in the offensive zone. They don't get pucks deep enough. They need to do that. It's really kind of affected their forecheck uh, and their ability to get in on the forecheck. And when you're constantly in transition and it could, because you didn't get a puck deep, it doesn't allow your neutral zone um, system to take place and lets the other team come through the zone. And oftentimes – and, and an odd man rush, a three on two, those kind of things. They need to get better at getting pucks deep and working their two one two split four check. When they do that and the, the split four check works, then they're a team. And you saw it in that uh, second Islander game. And here's the deal with the two one two split four check. 
so that you dump a puck in behind their defenseman into the right corner. That defenseman turns his back, goes in to get the puck. Forward F1, forward one, is going to go and take that man. Uh, F2 is going to go and take away the quick, easy pass for that guy going back to get the puck, the defender, to get it to his other defenseman. So now you've taken away that option with F2. That's the split part of the 2-1-2 split forecheck. And then the F3 is going to be in the high slot area reading the play. And if they try and rim it either up the strong side or the weak side, that defenseman will pinch. F3 will move back, cover that point, whatever side it's on. And then you have zone possession off a dump in. They did it last year to perfection. And you saw it in that game against the Islanders, especially with Phil Myers back. You see it, they get in, boom, F1 gets in, F2 takes away the pass, they try and go up the wall, Phil Myers pinches, keeps the puck in the zone, and then forward comes back and covers. Once Myers recoils, forward's back in the play, and you're set up offensively. When that works, like it worked last year, and I saw glimpses of it as I'm watching that second Islander game, I'm going, okay, this looks different. This is this forecheck is reminiscent of what we saw last year. So that's got to get better if they can continue doing that. And the key, again, is getting pucks deep. Uh, the not-so-good category as well, Nicholas Albe-Kubel, um, I don't know if he's thinking too much. He doesn't seem as effective as a four-checker as he was last year. Um, last year, he's just a straight-line four-checker, busting it, getting in the zone, taking the man, causing turnovers, causing ruckus. Um, maybe he needs to just simplify a little bit. Um, he seems like he's going a little east-west a little too much. Uh, hopefully he can recapture that simplicity to his game that makes him so effective. The zone exits are another area that has not been good enough. We've talked about that. Either the wingers are flying the zone too early. Uh, they're too high on the boards and not coming back to pucks. And that's been something that's really, uh, you know, kind of tilted the the shot count against the Flyers in a lot of these games because the, the zone exits haven't been good enough. In the first uh, period, of that game on Saturday against the Islanders, they were great. They were flying out of the zone as a five-man unit, transitioning through the neutral zone and obtaining the zone beautifully. Uh, that needs to become a religion. And that's what Elaine Vigneault is talking about when he said he needs Travis Konechny to play the right way. Um, he was flying the zone a little too much, trying to create offense. That's something that they need to clean up, and, and, and they're working on it. And we have seen glimpses of it looking better the last couple of games, but they still have some work to do there. Um, the forecheck in the neutral zone, same thing. Uh, that go, that, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the offensive zone time and the offensive forecheck. Eric Gustafson, he's been a bit of uh, a feast or famine so far this year. Offensively, he's had some really great moments, and defensively, he's had some really not-so-great moments. Um, and, and he's been in and out of the lineup, so I think that one kind of speaks for itself. Uh, Robert Haig on the decor as well. Seems like he's having a hard time finding his rhythm so far this season. He's been with several partners when he is in there, and he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, we'll see how he is able to kind of find his game and get into a rhythm. It just doesn't look like he's had to uh, had a chance to find it just yet. Now, the best news after 10 games. Yeah, it's the 7-2-1 record, but it's not just the 7-2-1 record. It's the fact that they're 7-2-1 without Sean Couturier. Take goalies out of the equation. He's your most important player. Uh, the goalie's always the most important player, but without Couturier, if you take the goalies out, he's your most important player. You can't just put someone in the lineup for Sean Couturier because he does too many things at a top level. He is an elite penalty killer. He's a really good offensive player, just about a point-per-game player over the last three years. He is a guy that shuts down the opposition's top line and also outscores the opposition's top line. He plays penalty kill. He plays power play. 
There's no player that they can put in the lineup that's going to check every one of those boxes, and certainly not at that level. He's played a game and two shifts so far this season, 20 minutes of ice time. Um, once they get him back, that'll be a huge boost. Um, it's not a cure-all, uh, but the fact that they're 7-1 and one without Couturier is maybe the best news ever um, this season so far. Uh, Phil Myers coming back, a lot of us feared that that injury may have been uh, more significant and he would miss more time, but he has come back and he's looked really good. I thought he was excellent in the game on Sunday against the Islanders, and uh, he's a big part of it because he's a big physical guy. And sometimes when you're watching Phil Myers, I feel like you're watching a video game where you're hitting speed burst uh, to get back into the play because he has that long stride and he can he's just such a, a good skater and powerful skater that even if he looks like he's out of position, he can make up a step and a half in, in a couple of strides and get back into a position uh, and be on the right side of the play uh, to defend as well. Uh, that's that's really good news that he's come back and come back looking good. And the other the other good news is this, and, and maybe this is the most significant. They haven't played their best game, yet they're seven, two and one. I always, I really believe this. Good teams find ways to win games when they're not at their best. Bad teams, they find ways to lose games when they are at their best. So if you take that mantra um, that good teams find ways to win when they're not at their best, that's what the Flyers have done. Uh, bad teams, if you want to say they're a bad team because of how they look so far this year, well, bad teams don't find ways to win those games. They don't. They're a good team. They're just not playing their most complete hockey. So, again, good teams find ways to win games when they're not at their best, and bad teams find ways to lose when they are at their best. That's good news for the Flyers. Let's get to some Twitter questions here on this episode. After 10 games, uh, the Egg tweets in. He says, do you think Fletcher's going to make a trade for a goal scorer at the deadline? How's the expansion draft impact that scenario? He said, I think it's time he makes a trade to help with a deep playoff run. Um, well, I, I don't know that – I don't think anything would be imminent right now. Uh, I think it would be more likely that Chuck Fletcher would trade for uh, a top pairing or top four right-handed D-man than I do a goal scorer. This team doesn't have problems scoring goals. They didn't have problems last year scoring goals. They were seventh in the regular season in scoring. Uh, they're not having problems this year scoring. I know everybody wants a sniper like Line A, but th I think that the, the more impactful need would be a top four right-shot D-man. Um, American Wit says, we all know the defense has its issues, and we can all see the injuries that are apart with running mix-and-match pairings. So can film study help with uh, leading a D-man's tendency because it doesn't seem like they're they're talking too much on the ice? And why does Ghost always shoot 11 feet over the net? Um, yeah, well, they do do film, absolutely. They break down. You see the iPad on the bench at times. Uh, again, the D has been the Myers injury push some guys into play in combinations. And defense is a little bit like offensive line in football. There's a chemistry to it. Knowing where your guy's going, where he's going to be, even when you have the puck defensively, where he's going to be, where uh, those outlets are that I can get him the puck when I get pressure and those kind of things. There is a lot of communication. It's a, it's a great pickup by American Wit. Um, there is a lot of communication that needs to take place, and there's also a lot of instinct knowing where that guy is that's your partner. And with mix-and-match pairings, that does absolutely suffer. Uh, Vinny tweets in, and he says, Through 10 games, the team is 7-2-1, and one, and they clearly aren't even close to their best, but finding ways to win games. What is more likely, their bad play catching up to them, or they start clicking and are really dangerous? If they start playing well, how good can they be? I don't know what's more likely, because I don't have a crystal ball to know if they're going to you know, get their game completely together and when that's going to happen. We've seen glimpses of it. We've seen, you know, 
parts of games and periods now that uh, that has been the case. So it looks like it's coming. And remember last year in Elaine Vigneault's first year, it did take some time for them to get their feet under them. By mid-November, end of November, they were they really picked up the system where it was instinctual. There's been times early this season in this first 10 games where I, I feel like you're watching them think about what they should be doing. When that becomes instinctual, that's when they will be a really good team. That's when they will be really dangerous. And that's when uh, we'll see the team more reminiscent in style of play and consistency that we saw uh, last season. Uh, Padrig Han. Padrig Han. I love that name. He said, uh, even though the defense has its flaws, how great is it seeing Ghost play at a legit level alongside Provorov? Is there anything you see in him that reminds you of his first two seasons in the NHL? Yeah, kind of what I brought up earlier when I brought up um, Ghost in the good section is that you can see his confidence. When he came into the league, he had this this confidence that was just swelling around him. And he's a player that when he has confidence, you can see it in his game. And I think you can see it now because you can see that shiftiness, that juke he's got when he skates and, and his ability to slow the game down enough that he knows he can sidestep a guy, jump around him, and do those things. So that part, yes. Is his game at the same level it was in his first two seasons? Probably not right now. Uh, but th- that's a good sign that he's playing with confidence. As long as he can continue to build that, I think that'll be a good thing. Anthony tweets in and says, what is it going to take to clamp down these third periods and not turn them into three-point games like they did against Boston where they lost the two-goal lead and, and against the Islanders uh, in that second game? Well, they just they need to be better. Look, it, the NHL is a tough league, and you knew that the Islanders were going to have a lot of pushback. But still, you have a two-goal lead. You, you want to get that done in regulation, especially this year when you want to avoid giving any opposition the loser point because they're in your division. Now you're giving a team a point that is trying to fight for the same real estate in the top four in your division for a playoff spot. So um, th- they got to be better at closing them out. Um, New York and the Islanders really came in that third period and, and pushed, and, and they played well and got the Flyers on their heels. Um, the Flyers, resilient, got it done in overtime. But, again, you don't want to give up that point, and that absolutely makes sense. Uh, Sandus, Minnesota says, with AV benching TK over the weekend, can it or has it impacted the relationship between the two? Uh, no, I don't think that. I think players understand that when they're not doing the right things, and um, Aline Vigneault is – a very articulate guy and very open with his players. You will never wonder as a player where, what Elaine Vino is thinking about your game. Um, he's thorough. He will tell you. He will show you uh, with video why he's not happy with certain things. And um, Travis Konechny is a professional. He, he has to accept that, and he has to be better with the things that the coach wants him to do in his 200-foot game. So I, I don't think there's no issue there, I don't believe. Uh, Colin Newby tweets in, and he says, a lot of talk about the foul the Flyers are being outplayed centers around the shot disparity. Is it possible we should be looking at scoring chances as a more telling stat? Not all shots are created equal, so not every shot is dangerous, per se. Uh, but with that being said, they do, they do need to generate more shots and drive the net and, and get those kind of plays. And I, I don't look at the amount of shots that they're giving up and, and have any cause for alarm. I really don't. Because they're not giving up a ton of high-danger chances. So if, they, if that was happening, then I would say yes, but they're not. Um, I would like to see more offense generated, even though they're a team that leads the NHL in goals from high dangerous chances. And look, you can drive a little more offense that way. I think what I'm looking for more is just offensive zone time because the other team's in their D zone and they're not in your, offense, in, in your D zone. So I think that, uh, yeah, scoring chances 
are a little bit more indicative of how a team is outplaying another. All right, Nathan Flood tweets and says, is the, is the beginning of the year indicative of what we can expect from Carter Hart, or will he settle down as the season progresses? Is it just getting used to the guys uh, that play in front of him? Um, this is interesting. Carter's numbers are a little crooked right now because of a couple of, a couple of games. Um, one, the, the 6-1 loss to the Boston Bruins, and obviously the game that he was pulled out of uh, against the Buffalo Sabres. So his numbers are crooked right now. I think he's been pretty good, and he's bounced back in a big way. He was excellent last Thursday for the Flyers against the Devils, and he was excellent on Saturday. Um, to me, it's just more that, that in the beginning of every season in the NHL, things are a lot looser from a defensive um, scheme standpoint and systems. They eventually tighten every year. They'll tighten again this year. Um, he'll be fine. I, I think that he'll he'll be even better all said and done. Uh, than he was a year ago. He, he may not have the same numbers, but that doesn't mean he's not better because he could see more high-danger chances depending how things go and how they clean up their defensive zone. All right, last question. He's, Logan G says, of the first 10 games, which one do you think was the best all around, and what are the biggest things the Flyers are doing right and what they need to do better going forward? Well, I kind of went through the good and the bad at the beginning, so we'll skip that. But of the first 10 games, the, the one that they were the best all around was the 3-0 win over the Buffalo Sabres. To me, that was the most complete game they've played. Uh, I think the best period they played was on uh, Sunday night uh, against uh, – was on Saturday night against the Islanders. So th- they still have work to do, and there's a lot of work to be done uh, in this NHL season. And over the next 10 games, we'll see if they do it. And after those 10 games, we're going to reassess everything uh, when we get to that point. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. They'll be back in action tomorrow to take on the Boston Bruins. We'll bring you a new episode previewing that matchup and more. So we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. And when I wake up in the morning Do feel the day break on my face There's a blood that's flowing through the feeling With a knife